God, in a variety of ways, we have already worshipped and praised your name this morning. Now, as we turn our attention to your holy word, we ask, God, that you would speak to us. God, that you would teach us from your word. That you would meet with us and encourage us and comfort us, challenge us, motivate us, convict us where it is necessary. Lord, we love you so very much. And God, that's only because you love us first. God, you are love. Thank you for loving us and giving us the opportunity to study your word. Would you add your blessing to the reading, to the teaching, to the proclamation of your holy word? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to take it and turn with us. To the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. We will begin in verse 26. We will read through verse 31. We'll be reading in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through verse 31. Sometimes it can be hard to turn to the very first book of the Bible because it's so easy to turn right past, but we are on page one, probably, of your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to borrow one from the back of the pew in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, feel free to take one of those Bibles from the back of the pew in front of you as just our gift to you. We'll purchase another one, and you keep that one as just a, a blessing from Bethany to you. However you may be accessing the word of the Lord, I would ask, if you're physically able, would you please stand with us out of reverence for the public reading of God's holy word? So we look together now, Genesis 1, beginning in verse 26, reading through verse 31. After I read for us, I will say, this is the word of the Lord. I encourage you to respond with thanks be to God. The word of the Lord says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every plant, every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As we approached Mother's Day this year, something that continued to come back up in my studies and in my mind, something that the Spirit kept bringing to my heart, is something that's a, a little bit awkward for us to think through as 
as guys, there's, there's some things in Scripture that are just awkward for us to wrestle through. I, I think I've mentioned before, you know, that men, we have to come to terms with how the Bible describes us as the bride of Christ. I, personally, I don't, I don't want to be a bride. It's not a, an exciting thing to me to think, oh boy, I'm the bride of Christ. At the same time, we're told over and over again in Scripture that we, men and women, both are adopted as sons of God the Father. So, women, that means that you have to think about the fact that you're adopted as a son. And I know that a lot of times we may try to make that gender neutral. We may try and make that unimportant. No, no, no. We're just adopted as children. But Paul wrote the word son in Romans, in Galatians, in Ephesians, all these places. Is on purpose because in that culture within which Paul is writing, women did not have citizenship. Women did not own land. And so if you were adopted as a daughter of God, you were a daughter of the king. That was a good thing. But you couldn't inherit the same way that a son could inherit. That all of the goodness and all of the possessions could be passed down to the son. So it is on purpose Within that culture that Paul says that we are adopted as sons. But ladies, I mean, is anybody excited about being a son of God? That's just a, that's a weird thing to have to cope with. Is any guy excited about being the bride of Christ? That's a, a strange thing to have to cope with. And when we think of God, we think of God in strongly masculine terms. And rightly so in the sense that God is father. Jesus came as God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, every pronoun used for God the Spirit, He is referred to with the third person masculine pronoun. But on Mother's Day, I feel that it's very appropriate for us to take a look at gender-specific characteristics and notice that our God is Father, but our God is also the perfect parent. That means that God does not only have attributes of a father, but all throughout Scripture we are given attributes of God that are very motherly. God cares and nurtures like a mother. God leads and protects like a father. You see, when we find this account in Genesis chapter 1, we notice that God makes humanity. God makes man. Adam is the Hebrew word for both humanity and Adam as a man. In this sense, it's talking about humanity. God creates humans, but notice that God creates man and there's something missing, right? When God creates man, this is one of the few times that he says that it is not good that man is alone in Genesis chapter 2. And so he makes woman to come alongside man. And woman is the completion of us as humanity bearing the image of God. Men by themselves do not bear the whole image of God. Women by themselves do not bear the whole image of God. But humanity bears the image of God in one man and one woman uniting together as one flesh. That's why there is a father and a mother. Folks, we live in a crazy, mixed up society today. 
that is confused about gender identity, that thinks that gender is fluid, that we think today I can identify this way, tomorrow I can identify that way. Even before puberty comes along, we can give uh, testosterone or estrogen and, and make these changes. And I feel like that's what God really made me to be, so that's who I ought to be. Folks, that's, that's not biblical. What we just saw in Genesis chapter 1 is that God made humanity special in His image. And that image is born out in a man and a woman. And the union between a man and a woman. A family brought together. That's ordained and blessed by God. And slowly... I'm not saying that things are worse now than they've ever been. I'm not saying that Jesus is coming back tomorrow. But I am saying that in the history of our country, there has been a very slow erosion of the family, of the family unit, of how God set the family unit apart and how it is blessed specifically to bear God's image in a special way that men alone cannot do, that women alone cannot do. Look at what we just read in Genesis chapter 1. He blessed them in verse 28, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That's not a command directed only at Adam. He is speaking now to man and woman. The dominion over earth is given to men and women together. It is not just for men to go out and conquer. Eve is supposed to be a part of this promise. He blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. He didn't say to them, be fruitful and multiply. And Adam, you go subdue the earth, brother, and have dominion over the fish of the sea. Women are supposed to have dominion over the fish of the sea, just like men. And sometimes we've gone pretty far in our society to be a little too emphatic on how male attributes are desirable. Or we go to this place where we got to be macho, right? And then men turn into these chauvinists, these, these people who abuse and take advantage of women. And women are devalued. But folks, what we see in this passage from the first chapter of the Bible, the precedent being set is that men and women in God's sight are equal in value. They are equal in every way, value-wise, worth-wise. Men and women are equal, but not the same. God created specific roles for each. God created specific roles for men to fulfill, specific roles for women to fulfill. That a man on his own is incomplete, a woman on her own is incomplete, and God brings the two together, and that's why there's trouble in households where there's only a father. That's why there's trouble in households where there's only a mother. And there are single moms and single dads who are doing, who are parenting circles around the best mom and dad combo you've ever seen. Don't mishear me this morning. Single parents do incredible work, but that's not the design. Children need a father figure in their life. Children need a mother in their life. And even if it's not their biological mother, they need somebody that comes along and says, I'm going to be a mother to you. They need somebody that comes along and says, I'm going to be a father to you. Because God says that what is very good, when he sees everything that he has made, it's after Adam and Eve are both made. It's after he's brought them together in the garden. That things go from good to what does it say there in verse 31? He saw it and it was Very good. 
They don't waste words in Hebrew. Very good means a lot. Now, I know us, we speak in hyperbole. I speak in hyperbole all the time. This is a very, very exciting service we have this morning. I mean, I'm excited about it, right? And, and so I'm saying it's very, very exciting. But I've dumbed down those superlatives. Our superlatives mean very little because we overuse them so much. They don't overuse them in the first couple of chapters of Genesis. And it was good. And it was good. And it was good. That's a good thing. It's a compliment. It's, it's good. But now Adam and Eve are both created. There's humanity made in God's image, and it is very good. They have dominion over the earth. Something else that we've, we've lost is that God gives dominion to Adam and Eve. Not just to Adam, correct, but that sets us apart from the rest of creation. Guys, I've got two dogs at home, one that is a little over-excited, one that, uh, you know, he, she left my, my, my son looking a little bit scratched up, like maybe he had been hit with a cat of nine tails a few times, like Jesus one day, because she's just real excited. She's a loving, lovable dog. She's great. She's a big old dog, and she's a big old puppy. She doesn't know what's going on. But I love those dogs. But see, the dog scratched up my son, so the dog received a punishment and sat in the crate. That's what happens to the dog because the dog is not as important as my son because my son is a human and my son. And for whatever reason, we have gone crazy with animals. Like, I love animals. They're, they're great, but they're not human. And from the very get-go, from chapter 1, God says to care for them, to have dominion over them, to nurture them, to watch over them, to protect them. But they're not humans. Humans are set apart. And like if anybody is online with Peter right now, I mean, we may have just been shut down from the Internet. It could have just happened because I said humans are more important than animals. There's people out there that that's blasphemy. I I understand. But that's scripture. Humans hold a special place in God's creation to have dominion, benevolent dominion over the rest of. Of creation. It is our job to be stewards and managers together as men and women of this earth that God has created and given to us. And somehow we've gotten out of whack. And I see a lot of people that they don't look like their dog is serving them or their cat is serving them. All right, let's just be honest. There's no cat that is serving their owner. All right. I just, I'm sorry. I'm not a cat person. I'm so, you cat people out there, I'm not really even that sorry. I'm telling you I'm sorry, but I'm just not, okay? Cats don't serve people. They, they think that they are God's special creation. I've never met a cat to not think that. But you do see a lot of people with dogs and pets and other things, and the way that they treat those animals, you see real quick that those animals are being served real well, and they're not doing a whole lot of service. They're not subservient to the humans. I saw in a documentary one time where they were asking this person who was a vegan that if a house was burning down and a stranger you didn't know was in the house and you had time to go in and get one person, that stranger or your pet dog, who are you going to get? Do you save the life of the human or do you save the life of your pet? And folks, without hesitation, without a delay in this documentary, this vegan went, oh, my dog immediately. Folks. There's something wrong in that picture. Even though that's my pet, that's my dog that I love, that's not another human being bearing the image of God. There's weight to that. There's not one gender that bears the image of God. There's not one race that bears the image of God, aside from the human race. 
And the human race, humanity at large, bears the image of God in a way that is special and unique from the rest of creation. And there should be special treatment that we give to one another, deference that we give to one another, both men and women, as well as red and yellow, black and white, because we are all image bearers. And all together, we are set apart from the rest of creation. There should be a special connection between all of us because all of us bear this image. He says in verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Both are in his image. All humans are in his image. Children made in the image of God with Down syndrome still bear the image of God. African-American children bear the image of God. Asian children bear the image of God. Caucasian children bear the image of God. Hispanic children bear the image of God. Brilliant children, children who have a mental disability, children who have a physical disability or abnormality. Every human bears the image of God. And when you look at another human being and you look at them through God's eyes, or you look at them through a mother's eyes, there's something that changes in our perspective, right? Many people who look at Down syndrome children and think that they're lesser citizens or, or children that have autism or something and think that, well, the poor, pitiful kid, they, they don't inside. We feel they don't bear the image of God. Next time you feel that way or think that, look at that mother as that mother looks at that child. See in her eyes the love that God has for all humanity. And so sometimes we get so caught up in the masculine traits of God being father, we forget that God is also a mother. God has motherly attributes. And I just want to spend the last few minutes together looking at how God loves us as a human race. Every single person in the tender, nurturing, caring way that a mother loves her children. Look with me through a few passages this morning. We're going to jump around a little bit, but I I want you to hang in there with me. As as we begin, I I want to remind you of John chapter 4. Write down John chapter 4. When Jesus meets the woman at the well, he speaks to her and he says that God is spirit. He says that God is spirit. Spirit. John 4, 24. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Even in that verse, he uses the masculine pronoun. But the truth is God is spirit. God has no gender. He transcends gender. He is a father in the role of a father. He is a mother in the role of a mother. He is the perfect parent, but he does not have a gender. Look with me in the gospel of Matthew. The Pharisees, the Sadducees are trying to trick Jesus, trying to trip him up in Matthew chapter 22, verses 23 through 33. And this is a a repeated story in Mark 12. It's also in Luke 20. This story shows up three different times in the gospels. 
But there in verse 23, the same day Sadducees came to Jesus, came to him, to Jesus. And they're the ones who say there is no resurrection. They asked him a question saying, teacher, Moses said, if a man dies, having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died and having no offspring left his wife to his brother. So to the second and the third down to the seventh. After them all, the woman died. In the resurrection, since there's a resurrection, Jesus, in the resurrection, whose wife is she going to be? Jesus answered them, you're wrong. And look, this is as close to Jesus gets. He doesn't say this, but this is as close to Jesus gets as going, you're wrong because you're stupid. All right. You're wrong because you don't know nothing. All right. Now, he don't say that to him, but it's pretty near close to it. Check it out. You're wrong because you don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. They're the Sadducees. Like that's all they're supposed to know is the scriptures and the power of God. And he says, you don't know either. Come up with this hypothetical false scenario. Let me tell you what's really going to happen. He says, you're wrong because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. And for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read... What was said to you by God, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. Folks, I want us to take note in this passage. God is spirit in John 4. Here in Matthew 22, there will not be a... uh, Man, lost my word. There will not prevail genders in heaven. When we pass from this life in the resurrection, no one is given in marriage. No one is taken in marriage. Gender is for this world. It says that we who believe will be like the angels. And so all this hype, all this attention to whether God is masculine, whether God is feminine, all about I feel like a man today, I feel like a woman today. No, God set up two genders and he set them up to be temporal. He set them up to function for this life and this world. But when we pass and are resurrected, we get new glorified resurrected bodies and are like the angels. Nobody's given in marriage. There's no need for marriage. There is no gender in the resurrection. Gender transcends this life is a false statement. When we pass from this life, we are like the angels. Nobody's given or received in marriage. You'll remember, you'll know, you'll have a special relationship. You'll know fully just as you're fully known. But it doesn't mean that you'll be given to your husband once again or your husband will be given to you. That's something for this world. Next time somebody comes up to you or talks to you or you read an article where everybody's so up in arms about gender right now. Remember, gender is one of those things that is passing away. Remember Revelation 21. Behold, he is making all things new. That includes gender roles and relationships. Those things will pass away and we will be like the angels if we trust In the Lord Jesus Christ. So God is spirit. God is not male or female. We understand him in the role as a father. And there are motherly attributes as well. We are not made to have gender for all eternity. So let's look at a few places where God shows us the love of a mother. Look with me in Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66 verses 12 and 13. 
We are starting to run out of time, so just let me summarize for you. Mark these verses. These are motherly attributes. This list will not be exhaustive, but it is a list of places you can turn to in your own Bible to see how God represents himself and his love to us in the form of a nurturing, caring mother. 66, 12 through 13. Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall nurse and you shall be carried upon her hip and bounced upon her knees as one whom his mother comforts. So I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. This is an extremely powerful metaphor for God comforting, bouncing us on his knees like a mother, carrying us on his hip like a mother. God comforts his people like a mother comforts her child. Now, listen, there were some great dads up here. okay? but you notice the kids that got upset instinctively. I went to mama. Right. When baby was crying, I said, "Okay, let's go back to mom. Right. I mean, that's just that's the natural mother's comfort and our tender Then move to Isaiah 49 from Isaiah 66, Isaiah 49, Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15. The prophet tells us like a woman would never forget her nursing child. God will not forget his children. This is the second time that God's care for us is as intimate as a mother nursing her child. That we will not be forgotten. Just like a mother will not forget her nursing child. God's care is tender and compassionate. There is comfort. God is like a mother eagle hovering over her young. Mark Deuteronomy 32.11. Like an eagle that stirs up its nets, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. I had to learn what pinions were. That's the ends of the wings, just so y'all know. Maybe y'all already knew. Y'all are smart people. I didn't know that. I had to, had to look that up. I, didn't know, I wasn't familiar with pinions. It's not a, not a word I use every day. Move on to a few verses down. 32, Deuteronomy 32, 18. You were unmindful of the rock that bore you, and you forgot the God who gave birth to you. Deuteronomy 32, 18, God is speaking about Israel and says he gave birth to Israel. Now, I know that today in our transgender, gender confused society, there there can be documents that say that a man gave birth to a baby. But that is biologically impossible. If you are a man and have all the biological parts of a man, you cannot give birth to a child. God is not limited to maleness. God transcends gender because he speaks in Deuteronomy and says, I gave birth to you, Israel. Like a mother goes through childbirth, God goes through childbirth with his children. God in Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10. These are the three lost parables, right? We have the prodigal son, we have the lost coin, we have the lost sheep. And in 15, 8 through 10, Jesus is telling the parable that says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. 
Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There's a connection to God as the father in the prodigal son story. God in the prodigal son story is represented by the father who stands on the hilltop looking for his son and runs to meet him. In the same way that God is represented by the father going out to his prodigal son in Luke 15, 8 through 10, God is represented by a woman who's lost a coin. And God will continue to seek for that coin until he's found it. And when he finds that coin, you and I are that coin. When he finds us and draws us unto himself, he rejoices and calls all his neighbors and says, Look, I have found the coin that I have lost. Just like the father in the prodigal son story says, My son was dead and now he is alive. We must celebrate. There's several more in, in Psalm 22. And Psalm 22, 9 and 10, Psalm 71 and Isaiah 66 again. There's just a couple more I want us to look at and then we'll close for the morning. This is one of my favorite because dad can get mad, right? I mean, dad can get upset. He can. But how many people are afraid of the dads at the ballpark? Could you just give me a show of hands? Anybody afraid of a, of a papa bear at the ballpark? Okay, there's one or two. There's one or two. How many people have had a run-in with a mama bear at the ballpark? Amen? Let me see a hand. Let me see. You you know them. They are there behind that fence. They feel safe. They criticize. If you've ever been an umpire, Lord help you. May I pray blessings over you. Because that mama bear... Now, you know that wasn't no strike. You know that. And now, listen, them, them kids, ain't, it, they, they, they don't catch any grief either. Baby, you got to swing the bat if you're going to hit that ball. How many mamas you heard like that? I mean, dads are out there. Come on, man. Come on, man. You got to swing the bat. Mama said, baby, you don't swing that bat. We're going to have problems. Come on. You don't just watch that ball go by. Mamas get after it. Well, the Bible knows that. It's biblical. Look in Hosea chapter 13. Hosea chapter 13, verse 8. The Lord is being described by Hosea the prophet. And it says, I, the Lord, will fall upon them like a bear robbed of her cubs. I will tear open their chest and there I will devour them like a lion as a wild beast would rip them open. That is the Lord talking about what he would do to people that mess with his children. And yet he describes himself as a mama bear. Guys, we have a God that transcends gender identity. Our God is a loving and tender mother, a ferocious mama bear that ain't going to let nobody mess with her cubs. Our God is a father, stalwart and protective, leading and providing. God fills all these roles. Even Jesus, when he was here in Luke 13, laments over Jerusalem and says, How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Even Jesus using a metaphor that is a feminine metaphor, a hen gathering her chicks. But Jesus was a man, right? Yes, very much. He was a man. But we have a God who transcends gender identity and presents himself to us in ways we can understand and loves us tenderly like a mother should love her children, cares for us compassionately. When you're sick, you don't go to daddy. Daddy's going to tell you to take the Tylenol and get over it. Rub some dirt on it and walk it off. 
You go to mama because mama's going to take care of you. Mama's going to be the one who's going to, oh, baby, come here, let me help. Folks, mothers have this tender, compassionate, unconditional love about them. And that is the love that God has for us. The last passage I want us to look at this morning is from Romans. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though, perhaps, for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. Mama's going to love you no matter what you do, right? Mama's going to be there. While we were still sinners, while we were ungodly, while we weren't worth anything, God still loved us. While we were still enemies, God still loved us and put His Son forth To die for us. Can you believe that? How many times has a child become an enemy to their mother? And mama still loves them. In the midst of that child hating their mom. I hate you and I hate what you do. I hate how you treat me. I hate this house. I hate everything about it. They are clearly an enemy in that household. Mama still loves them. Look, I, I can't recommend everything from this particular band. I can't even recommend this whole song. But there's a song that came to mind as I prepared this sermon this week from Confederate Railroad, right? Jesus and Mom always loved me, even when the devil took control. Jesus and Mom always loved me, and this I know. Jesus loves us. Unconditionally, like our mamas love us. And even more than that. Folks, this morning, maybe you've been really hyper-focused on the fact that God is Father. And that's true. Maybe you have a really bad relationship with your parents. And that song's not even true for you. My mama ain't never loved me. If that's the case, I'm so sorry. But there is a parent In heaven who is perfect. Who loves you and loves me unconditionally. And was willing to send his only son to die in our place. So that we might have life. Unconditional love and grace. Given freely for any who would accept it. Folks, this morning, have you accepted the love of the perfect parent in heaven? 
Have you accepted the gift of grace that's offered to all of us through the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in Jesus and in Jesus alone for salvation? Have you trusted that no matter what you do, no matter where you go, Jesus will always love you? That Jesus died for us when we were unlovable. How much more so when we're doing everything in our power to live for Him and accept His gift of grace to us? Maybe this morning you need to trust in Jesus for the first time. Maybe this morning you realize, man, I hadn't been loving my parent in heaven the way that I ought. We'll have a time of response here in just a moment. I encourage you, if you've never trusted in Jesus, please come meet me down front. I can stay after we can talk for a few minutes and I can tell you what it means to trust in Jesus. I'd love to do that. But maybe you're one of those folks that you had not been living up to your family name. But you trust in Jesus. You haven't been recognizing your perfect parent the way that you ought. This time is open for you as well. You can come down and pray at these steps. You can pray where you are. You can come ask me to pray with you. I'd be happy to. I'm going to pray for us. David's going to come and lead us in one more song. And I would ask, even as I pray, would you respond as the Holy Spirit moves among us this morning? Will you bow with me one more time? God in heaven, you are great and greatly to be praised. Lord, we thank you that you love us as a perfect parent. You love us with all the perfect attributes of the best father that has ever been. All the perfect attributes of the best mother that has ever been. And on Mother's Day, Lord, we want to thank you for your unconditional love, for your tenderness and compassion. That you made a way for us to escape the wrath we are due. Father, if there's anybody here this morning that's still sitting under that wrath because they have not trusted in you, Lord Jesus. Would you move on their heart? Would you draw them unto repentance? God, for those of us here this morning that we have not been living as though our last name is your last name. Would you convict us that we might turn once again to you, reorient our priorities, live for you? God, for all those here this morning for whom Mother's Day is not a joyful day, would you comfort them like only you can? Would you give them strength and sustenance to walk through this day? Would you give them grace and mercy? And remind them that no matter what sorrow they have because of this day, they can celebrate because you are the perfect parent in every way. Would you bless us now? Would you move during this time? We ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Church, would you stand?